the song. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the year. This is the year, this is the year that he may appear, that he may appear. This is the year, this is the year that he may appear, that he may appear. This is the year that he may appear. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is A good mess, right? All singing different things. All. <laughs> all right, let's all stand up for a word of prayer. Thank you all for coming this morning. And uh, Lord Jesus, we just come to you. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for the sunshine. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. You've brought us into a new year, Lord. And God, you see everything. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, you know what this year holds for each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. And God, as we're gathered here uh, today, this morning, I pray that we would just remember your sovereignty and uh, your shepherd's heart, Lord, your care as a heavenly father to each of your children, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would be encouraged this morning, that your Holy Spirit would just move in our hearts, and God, that we would see the glory of your kingdom and the majesty of Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. of my praise. Let's sing together. And I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my
worship you alone are worthy of my praise amen he is worthy Changed by your love in the presence. 
presence of your majesty. Amen. All right, you can be seated. This next song is a really powerful song. Um, it says, What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no, no more... There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. And the title of the song is Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. And it's something that I have to remember every day that no matter where I am or what I'm doing, that it's not me, but Christ in me. It gives me the strength to live day by day. Or else, if we start depending on ourselves, we'd go a little crazy. Um, I can testify to that. Uh, let's sing with all our hearts. What gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer? My joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. I long 
long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hope, I hope is only anyone has a testimony or anything to share or even a prayer request, uh, feel free to speak out. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning and God, as we enter this new year, Lord, I just lift up each and every person in here. To you, Lord, God, you know our steps, Lord. Your word says that the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And God, thank you for the rest and the assurance that we have in you, um, Lord, that no matter what happens in our nation, Lord, you are faithful, you endure, Lord, and you are true. God, I pray that we would learn to cling to you like never before, Lord Jesus. And God, that... Lord, this year that we would be changed more and more um, into the image of Jesus and that, Lord, we would let our light shine before men um, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, Lord Jesus. I pray that that would be true for each one. Um, God, just lead us, guide us, prosper us, Lord, according to your will. Lord, not just with material possessions, but, Lord, prosper us in your ways, in your um, abundant love, Lord, that you've loved us with. Help us to love people around us, Lord, to not be quick to judge, but, Lord, to be quick to love people and to um, exhort one another and to lift each other up, Lord. I pray that you would continue to unite us together as your body, your hands, and your feet, Lord, to reach out to those around us, Jesus. Amen.
together at all week I've been pondering and praying this word in Joel chapter 2 verse 27. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of this world and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other and my people will never be put to shame. And it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters singing majesty I had to think when you when you say the word majesty what do you what do you think of something beautiful okay glorious any other definitions of majesty majestic <laughs> okay kingly kingly I'm just curious what's going through your mind as you're singing that song. Majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me. Huh? But what about Jesus? Why do we say the word majesty? What What about majesty defines what we're singing? I was asking myself the same question because I was wondering if my definition of majesty was what I was singing. Majesty, according to a dictionary, means uh, stateliness beauty says the majesty of the rockies we look at that all the time right we look across the front range and for those of us that don't live so far east that we can't see them um we look upon them well for us that live further west we see greater majesty we'll put it that way um but we we can look upon that and we see the majesty of the mountains it's just we look at it and we're like wow i mean they're so big they're to us, we all of a sudden seem what? Small. We seem so insignificant. Yet, if you, re- if you listen to this song, Majesty, Majesty, your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed, but in him we're alive. Um, here I am, humbled by the love that you give, forgiven so that I can forgive. Here I stand knowing I am your desire. Think of that in the in the in the presence of majesty, something that is so big, so grand, so beyond what we can comprehend, and know that we are what He desires. I I look at that and I go, wow, how can I? I can't measure up in myself. I can do nothing in myself to be what He needs. Only thing I can do is give Him 
what he already created, which is myself. Give him myself, that's all he's desiring. We sing, as we sang that song, I just had to think of that way of looking at it. I always love, I mean, I could sing these songs, practicing them in the morning, but yet when we actually sing them, sometimes they hit me a little bit different than what we actually practiced them. And I always love how the words of a song, if we look at them, how much they bring out what our true Christian life can be, what they mean to us or what they should mean to us as we sing the words that we're actually singing. Sing sovereign over us. There is strength within the sorrow, there is beauty in our And you meet us in the morning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting You're sanctifying us When beyond our understanding Teaching us to trust Your plans are still to prosper You have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire and the flood You're faithful forever Perfect in love You are sovereign and kind You surround and you uphold me And your promises are my delight Your plans are still to prosper You have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire and the Turn it. 
forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign. Let's all stand up and sing one last song.
seated and I'll turn the time over okay children come forward oh we got some new faces and some old faces know any oop. can you set that thing down there though so I don't have to look over the thing thank you well, if they unmute it it'll help um, all right so you look like a mini Noah you ever been told that before uh-huh I figured as much all right so what do you guys got a song, Lukey, you want to sing? God's not, dead. God's not dead? I always love that song. Well, we'll wait for Jason to get his. <clears throat> okay. God's not dead, no. chewing gum yeah it looks like you're singing you keep chewing that it just it looks like you're singing huh what'd you say sherry he's wiggling his tongue yeah but it looks like he's singing okay another song hmm wrapped up tied up do you like that one? Do you guys know all the motions for that one? You ever heard that song? Can you do this? This, this, this. Oh, the other way. Go underneath. There you go. You got it. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. There you go. You got that. You got it? Okay, this, this. Uh, don't go the other way with your, uh, twist your hands the other way. Uh, I don't know what you, uh, over the top. There you go. Then underneath. There you go. Now you gotta do this fast. Wrapped up, tied up, tangle up. It, it, don't worry, not everybody still has it here yet. So you just do the best you got it. Then the next one is inside, 
outside, side to side, then it's upright, then down right, living right. So you got to spin around. Well, you got to you actually, yeah, there you, you see, you got it. Okay. 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 E. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in good Whew, I'm out of breath now how fast do you think you can do that uh, super super fast okay you got it I, Minnie Noah you got it what's your what's your name what now Judah, Judah. okay all right you got this really fast Okay. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. Not bad. You didn't try. All right. Got another one? Higher, higher. Higher. <laughs> okay. Huh? You cast your burdens? I always like this song because it gets me out of here. I'll be looking for you to, you know. I think John needs to come up and help, but he only suggested it when he had a baby in his hands. <laughs> Just unplug your guitar too so you can actually. We'll plug you back in now. We need a longer cord for Jason.
To the pack set? He's out. He doesn't have the pack set on anymore. Oh, I see. back in though. Um, I never thought I'd see kids have more fun laying down on the floor. <laughs> you never lay down on the floor. Hmm. Only I could believe that. Uh, all right. Got one more? I'll read you a story then. But the story's short. Well, actually, we can sing a couple more. I got a short story. Story? You like stories? You don't like singing? Uh-oh. Hmm. So you have to interact if you sing. What's your favorite song? You got a favorite song? You sing any songs at home? What's your favorite song? Which one? Okay. Yeah, we don't do Crazy Frog here. Oh, that's all right. You don't know that one either. Uh, what's, uh, let me see. Jesus loves me? That's always good. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he
Why can't I think of it? We sing it differently than you do. Leaning on the Lord's side, that's the one I was trying to think of. Thank you. See, that's better. Okay. So, which way you guys want to do it? You want to answer or you want to do the question? That way you're leaning this way? Okay. Do you guys want to ask the question or you want to answer the question? You want to hear the answer? Huh? Okay. So they're gonna they're gonna ask. Okay, so see again. Okay. Whose side are you leaning on? like leaning don't you <laughs> all right one more song what song you want to sing Caden which one oh king of the jungle all right okay so do you guys, you never heard this song? King of the Jungle, who's the king of the jungle? See, we got some girls here, so we can actually get maybe this correctly. Um, <laughs> Lukey. <laughs> All right, so it says, who's the king of the jungle? And the guys are like, who, who? He's a gorilla, you know, he's the king of the jungle. Oh, oh we could go. <laughs> that look more like king of the jungle? No, this looks more like King of the Jungle. Okay. So who's the King of the Jungle? Yeah, huh? <laughs> and then who's the King of the Sea? What's the biggest thing in this? Really, really, really. Okay, so the guys are supposed to go, ooh, ooh, and the girls are supposed to go, really, really, really. Okay. You got this, right? I got you smiling finally. It's been a long, I mean, you were like up here like a, mm hmm so I, you know, I mean, this doesn't take much. This, I think you can handle this one, right? Let's see. You got this? Uh-huh. Oh, no, it wiggles. No, we're not praying. We're done with the praying part of that song. We're, we're on to the whaley whaley. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's key. G. G. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? 
right. You got that part? Yeah. You still didn't get it, huh? <laughs> All right. You guys can sit down there and I'll read you a story. So you think you can, you think you can uh, be a witness for Jesus at your age? Are you sure? Okay. Do you know any Bible verses that would, uh, that would uh, claim that? Your lasting life. Amen. Exactly. So, if we proclaim that to others, we know that if they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, according to that verse, they will be saved, right? Okay. So, there's also a verse in First uh, uh, Timothy that says, I think it's First Timothy, that says, Let no man despise thy youth. I think Paul was writing that to Timothy because Timothy was quite young. And, but, not maybe as young as you, but I think this can be a good story for you guys so this is uh rachuga i'm never going to get these names right but this takes place in india so we sang about a jungle and who's the king there right so who do you who do you think's the king over the king of the jungle jesus is exactly so so uh rachuga pudati and if sharitha was here she would correct me on all the ways i say these names or Rotuga Padati is, he says, my, my grandfather was a headhunter. You know what a headhunter is? It's somebody that goes out and tries to kill other human beings or other people. Okay? He wants their head. Sounds wonderful, right? Okay. My grandfather was a headhunter, but by God's grace today, I am a heart hunter. Hmm. This was Rachunga Padati. Determined to see more of the village, one for Christ, little Ro, which is this guy that we were just saying, little Ro set out and began witnessing to the renowned wild people of the Taising village in Manipur, India. With a heart full of prayer and fierce determination, Ro went, first, went to the first home. The man wanted nothing to do with the dead man Jesus. Most Christians would have walked away downhearted. But a little boy with a fire in his heart was not so easily deterred. He marched to the next house. His hands clenched in determination around his hands clenched in, de, in determination. Around a fire, three men sat, and to little Row they were like three giants, needing to be felled. Standing silent for a moment, he gathered his courage and asked permission to proclaim the name of Jesus. Where is my Dale? a man shouted as he sprang to his feet. Ro's eyes widened as he realized what was happening. A dale was a knife used by the mountain people for generations for many things, but one was used for headhunting. Ro turned and ran out of the house and down the road. He heard someone calling to him, asking him to wait, but he dared not stop lest he be killed. But his short little legs were no match for a grown man, and he was soon overtaken. Someone from another village has been coming around here and telling me about Jesus, and I wish to hear more, said the man. Come with me and tell me about Jesus. The man begged him. 
Ro feared this was some sort of trap, but he trusted that the Lord would go with him. For an hour, he spoke the name of Jesus to the man, who eventually said these words, I want to give my name to Jesus. Ro knew that this was the real thing. The man was giving himself completely to the Lord. He was the first Christian, the first follower of Jesus in this so-called wild village. Rotunga's heart was filled with joy and rejoicing. He had led his first soul to the Lord. God took this young man with a heart for the Himar people of India and used him to translate the Bible into their language. Rotunga Padati came from a village of former headhunters and let the Lord use him in a way that no one thought possible. God is a God of extremes. He can use the least of the least for his glory and honor. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he is for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Psalm sixty twelve. So do you think a little boy, if he can be that brave, we have that much I ask myself, do I have that much desire to see souls one to Christ? I mean this little I mean, I don't know, he was maybe I would guess twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. But boy, I mean he wanted to see others come to Christ. He wanted to see others have the joy that he had. To the point where he was willing to risk his life. I mean, he ran because he was scared. But isn't it amazing? God chased someone after him so that he could tell them about Jesus. All right. You can go back. Thank you. morning well outside's having a good morning how about you all good morning morning. you having a good day Jamie is it going to be a good week for you I have a knack for embarrassing Jamie let's see if I can keep it up well it's good to have you all here this morning special welcome to our visitors and those watching us online how about we give them all a hand Thank you, Jason, and our entire worship team for leading us in worship again this morning, opening up our service. It's always a blessing. Y'all having a good new year so far? I was talking with Dave a little bit beforehand. You know, it's we rush and rush to the end of the year, and the new year starts, and we're off and rushing again, but yet somehow we have that... Uh, psychological reset, if you will, the end of the year, the beginning of the new. And that can be a good thing. You always hear about New Year's resolutions and, and that type of thing. Far majority of New Year resolutions don't uh, last through uh, January, but uh, I'd like to challenge each one of us here this morning that so we begin this this new year, if it has been somewhat of a, if nothing else, a psychological reset in our minds, to uh, use that to inspire us to continue serving Christ through this new year and to continue making 
strides in each one of our spiritual lives. So I don't, I don't know that we have to uh, have some great big uh, resolution of some sort, but rather to uh, daily draw closer to Christ. And, and if that is our goal, we will have a very successful year no matter what else happens. So I'll leave that as a challenge for you. For announcements, we are going back to our normal schedule of having a uh, fellowship meal after the service. There's going to be plenty of food and fellowship. That's become an important part of our Sunday meeting. And we invite all of you, all visitors, and even the people online, if you can make it here in time, to... uh, Join us for a meal after the service. There'll be plenty of food, so please stay for that part of the fellowship as well. Um, I thought there was something else I was going to announce, and all of a sudden my mind went blank. I don't think there's anything special happening this week, so uh, no no announcements for that, right? Um, (laughs) Jamie and Jenny, can I take a moment and pray for you guys that God would give you strength through the week here. Hopefully that doesn't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come up front here or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it wasn't so terribly long ago I was uh, in your shoes, not even eight years ago. Really short time, quite honestly. And uh, even uh, shorter for Jason's. And uh, I know the the work and the emotions and everything that go into this kind of time. We just want this to be a time of God's pouring out his grace on your lives. So I'm going to ask Jason to lead us in a prayer for you guys, that God would pour out his blessing on you guys this week and just give you a great... Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And Lord, I just uh, lift up Brother Jamie and Jenny, Sister Jenny, to you, Lord, God, thank you for the journey that you've brought them on, and Lord, um, God, thank you for the institution of marriage that you've created, Lord, and um, the good things it brings into this life, and Lord, I just pray that you would surround uh, both of them with your love and your grace, Lord, as they move into this new season, Lord, that they would be just focused on you and lord i just pray that you would uh just uh, bless them with richness and and love lord and um, god wisdom to give uh jamie wisdom lord as he leads jenny and and lord just we just give you the praise and glory god just protect this uh young couple from the evil one i pray that um that lord whatever they may face together that they would uh stick to you and stick to each other in jesus name i pray Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. All right. Well, we're going to turn the time over for to Phil for a time of looking into the Word. And at the end of the service, I'll open it up for you all to uh, share a little bit of testimony or prayer request or whatever's on your heart. Let's pray once more, asking for God to uh, open up His Word to us. Thank you, Father, for this day that you have blessed us with, for this new year. And I pray that as we start this new year, that we would be even more serious, more uh, intent on 
hearing from you through your word and through the voice of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would open up your word to us today as Brother Phil speaks to us. I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon him. That he would say the things that you would have us hear. And I pray that today we would not only be hearers of your word, but that we would leave here and even more so become doers of your word. We pray your blessing upon this part of our service here today. I pray that you would minister to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, everyone. When Brother Anthony was talking about a yearly experience with God, um, my my mind went to Lamentations chapter three, and Jeremiah's experience with the Lord was much more than a yearly thing. He was a, a daily experience with God, and I say this to encourage you. You don't need to wait for six months or a quarter of the year or a whole year to restart your relationship with God. Because this is what the Lord says through Jeremiah the prophet. Verse 20. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Now, Jeremiah in this chapter is lamenting the conditions he finds himself in in Israel. Israel's at a time when they need God, but very few are seeking God. And so Jeremiah finds himself one of the only people in all of Jerusalem and Israel in these days who has a heart to follow God. Wouldn't you be discouraged? Would your soul not be bowed down within you? Verse 19, he says, Remember my affliction and my wondering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Verse 17, and my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. You ever been there? You forgot how to be happy? Peace has seemed to flee away from you. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. What does he remember? The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They never quit. They are new every year. Is that what it says? Is that how you read it? How often are the Lord's mercies new to you? How often? Every morning. They are new every morning. New mercies when something is new, it means you've never experienced this before. It's brand new, we call it. You've never driven this car. You've never wore this coat or this shirt or these shoes. They are brand new. Brand new for you. Mercies every morning. God prepares them for you to wake up to and experience with him that day, every day. Our life can be reset with Jesus. Our hope can be renewed with Jesus. Every day, brother, sister, you can have a new start, a new reset 
a new mercy with God every day. Don't wait for the end of the year. You know, it's interesting. Jesus also spoke of a daily experience with him. He said, if a man wants to follow me, he should wait till the end of the year and then pick up another cross and follow me. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? If you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. Every day, there's a new experience with Jesus Christ in being his disciple, being made like him, taking on the sufferings of Christ and the resurrection power of his love. Every day, we get to experience the cross of Jesus Christ in our life. So I just say that to encourage you in this new year. And I think personally, that's why so many New Year's resolutions absolutely fail. Even Christians, like you said, Anthony, usually by the end of the month, they're gone. And you know what happens? And this is what's really concerning for me. And this is why I felt I needed to share this word with you. People lose hope. The devil is effective in Christians' lives because of New Year's resolutions. And you know what happens at the end of January? If your New Year resolution hasn't really been good, you haven't done it faithfully, you begin to get discouraged. And by the end of March, you give up on it. And you say, well, maybe I was too ambitious. And you just kind of write it off. Maybe it was God speaking to you. Perhaps it is a new mercy or a new cross Jesus wants you to take up with him. But because you set it as a yearly thing instead of experiencing his new mercies every day, you're missing it. You miss it and you're discouraged and you let go of a promise that God wants you to experience in him. So, dear brother, sister, experience Jeremiah new mercies that he experienced with God even at the worst time in your life. By the way, Jeremiah was in a pit at this time that was so muddy, he was sinking down into the mud. He couldn't even get out. They had to pull him up by ropes. He was in a mud pit. But this is what he says. Because he believed that God's mercies were new every morning, he was able to say, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good. And he waits silently. For the salvation of the Lord. So I say that to give you an encouragement. In case you are a Christian who has set his sights on a yearly experience with God. Narrow it down, dear brother, sister, to today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. And tomorrow... There'll be new mercies for your failures today. Now next year, tomorrow, 
tomorrow. John chapter 6. In the Gospel of John chapter 6, we find Jesus surrounded by a multitude. Verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side, to the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. It was right there, perhaps the next day, the Passover was going to begin. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, and I want you to take note of Jesus' words. It blew me away as I pondered this scripture and said, Lord, what are you saying to me? Is this where you would go? If you gathered together with a great multitude of people to hear what Jesus has to say, do you hear Jesus say these words? He said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that they may eat? What? Why do you care about bread, Jesus? All these people came and they're following you for what? Why were the people there? Someone tell me. Read verse 1. Read verse 2. Why were they there? Okay, yes. And what did they see? Yes, they've seen him heal the sick. And so my guess is there were many sick people there who wanted Jesus to heal them and maybe many people who had been healed and wanted to see him do that to many others and Jesus looking at all these people who were coming to be healed said where can we find enough of food to feed them don't you feel like Jesus is completely missing the point here like Jesus who cares about bread that's not what we came for. You want to just feed us bread? We could go to the store and buy something if we wanted bread. But Jesus cared about bread. Have you ever come to the Lord Jesus for spiritual food, for something you're wanting? Maybe it is a sickness. Maybe it's a physical need you have in your body. Maybe it's Something, a care you have for someone else and you come in prayer to the Lord. You say, Lord, heal them. Father, please heal these people. Don't we pray these prayers all the time? Don't you? I do. I was praying them just here sitting right here this morning for David. David is a dear brother who lives across the street here and he came down the other day and and sat with us for a while and was sharing with us. And he, he, he walks with a walker. And he's got oxygen on him. He was telling us how hard it is he finds it to breathe. And how he's, he's probably going to need to go to a CPAP machine and, and a face mask oxygen. And, and, and here he is struggling to breathe. And Jesus wants to give him bread. 
just something to eat. I was sitting here praying, and as I was, we were praying the last couple of days, Katie and I, for David, and saying, Lord, heal him, Father, please give him grace, give him a medical solution, and he, he needs to find a doctor, and with COVID, it's been difficult, and that's his struggle. His struggle is, I just want to breathe. Can I help him breathe? No, I can't help him breathe, but there is something I can do. I can give him something to eat. That's what Jesus wanted to do with these people. Where are we to buy bread that they may eat? And this he was saying to test him. Or he himself knew what he was intending to do. He was testing Philip. Philip answered him, 200 denarii or pennies worth of bread in those days a denarii was about a day's wage, as I understand it. Two hundred of this money. I, Philip was just throwing out a number out there. He's like, how are you going to find enough money to go buy bread for all these people? And we'll read a little later on. There were a lot of people there. Over 5,000 people. Jesus said... Oh, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Hey, Jesus, there's a young child, a lad here. He's got five loaves and two fishes. What's that? I'm going somewhere with this story. Not me. Jesus is for you. This story, dear brother, sister, is for us. It's for you and me. It was recorded and written so that you and I can get the point and live in obedience to this word. So many times in my life, in my Christian life, I read these stories as a good story and I close my Bible and put it on the shelf and go throughout the day and it means absolutely nothing to me. It does nothing for me except that it's a good story. Or maybe it makes you wish you had Jesus multiply some loaves and fishes for you. But I want you to get the point of this story so you can experience it today. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, when you sit down, you're taking a place of rest. And if you sit down at a table, you're taking a place of rest with an expectation that you're going to eat something, right? Jesus led them into this place of rest. And that's important. Now there was much grass in the place, so it was a good place to sit down. Comfortable place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. That was the men, besides the women and the children. Perhaps there were, I don't know, 700,000 or a million people around here. Only the men were 500,000. Were 5,000. Jesus therefore took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish as much as they wanted. Jesus gave them food. As much as they wanted. 
And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets. Wait a minute, what? 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Now that was a lot of fish sandwiches. Five barley loaves, two fishes, fed 5,000 people a fish sandwich that day. When therefore the people saw, they ate and they saw the sign which he had performed. They said, this is of a truth, the prophet. That word is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Who is to come into the world? Verse 15, Jesus therefore perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to do what? To make him a king. He withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Who could have thought that feeding somebody a fish sandwich would do this in their hearts? Has it ever done that to you? You see, I see in my life that many times I write off the little things in life because I don't think they are spiritually, they pertain to anything spiritual in my life or to someone else's life. But Jesus did not think that way. Jesus cares about your eating. He cares about our physical needs. He cares to provide us with food when we follow him. And that care, not just that Jesus gave me a fish sandwich, but the fact that he cares for us in a personal, physical way, enough to give me food to eat, does something in my heart that tunes it to worship him and surrender my life to him as my king. That's amazing. And if you're not amazed by that, dear brother, sister, you need to experience Jesus this way. You see, I believe the reason I don't experience Jesus this way is because I don't need him to give me a fish sandwich. I can make my own. I can go to the store and buy a fish and some bread and I can make my own sandwich. I don't need Jesus to do that for me. So because I don't need him to do that, I don't even think or thank him or come to him for that. He's not there when I'm eating. He's not in my thoughts. I'm not thankful to him necessarily, though many times most Christians say grace or a word of thanks. But then we go about eating the stuff we made, the stuff we earned, the food we planted in the garden and grew and picked, the food we bought, and we don't even consider that it's Jesus who is serving the table. That Jesus is right there making your sandwich. 
But these people experienced him like that. They came for something else. That's not what they came for. That's not what they expected. But that is what they got from Jesus that day. And it did not disappoint them. No one went away disappointed. They went away worshiping him, convinced he is the Messiah. He is the one that should come into the world to forgive my sins. And we need to make him king. We need to make him a ruler over us. You see, when we overlook our physical needs and we discount them as something that Jesus really doesn't want to get involved with, really doesn't care that much about, there is a part of the kingship of Jesus which is providing for us as a king. There is a relationship with the God of heaven our Father who provides for us. There is the part of Jesus that Jesus said, when we get to heaven, he will spread the table and he will be the one who is the waiter putting on the apron and serving you your plate. But if he doesn't do that for you today, you miss that part all your life. And what a shock you're going to experience in heaven when Jesus comes and sits you down at the table and says, here's your plate of food. This is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the man you prayed to all your life, the man who saved your soul with his death and his resurrection, feeding you food to eat. Will that make you worship him then? Let that happen today. This afternoon when you get your plate of food, let Jesus serve it to you and see if you don't worship him in a whole new way and experience him like they did that day. The title, as I was pondering this word, the Lord just brought this two-word title to my heart. Sometimes we need a title to make it stick into our hearts. Ecclesiastes tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, King Solomon wrote, Well-spoken words are like goads which stick into wood and hold it together. Or well-driven nails driven by the master's hand. Those of you who are carpenters, you know what a well-driven nail looks like and feels like, right? Now, take away the nail guns, guys. I'm talking about a hammer and a nail. And you hit the nail on the head. Boom! Boom! There it is. Solid. Those two by fours are like they were made to be together. They're not coming apart with a ring shank, well-driven ring shank nail. That's what words do, King Solomon said. Words that are fitly spoken into our life. They bring two truths together and they fasten it to my heart. 
And they drive it into my life so that my life is attached to this truth. And it doesn't come out well or easily. Sticks together. Jesus cares. Those two words came to my heart. Jesus cares. Apostle Paul understood this truth. And so he said these words in Romans chapter 14. Whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God the Father, giving thanks to God the Father by him. He said those in a couple different places. Whatever you do, but specifically the Holy Spirit said, whether you eat or drink, oh, and everything else you do. And so my question to you is, have you left Jesus out of your meals? Is he attached in any way besides your little grace prayer before you eat? Do you say it and then go about it? And completely lose conscious that Jesus is there and wants glory from the fact that you're eating that fish sandwich. But Jesus does care for the little things. And when you and I live in that care, dear brother, sister, worship comes out of our heart, an undistracted worship. Because when you understand that Jesus is feeding you that food, he has prepared it for you and given that food to you to enjoy. You walk away from the table with a thankful heart and you want to give him everything you got. Don't you feel that way to your mom, your wife, when they cook a very delicious meal? And it even surprises you. And it explodes in your mouth. You know, your taste buds are just like, whoa, this is delicious. And when you're done, you really feel good, satisfied. Don't you just want to come up to her and give her a hug and kiss her and say, thank you. That was delicious. I know you do. We all do that. It's the natural response to a delicious meal. And unfortunately, I think many of God's children are ungrateful and suffer from an ungrateful attitude and a heart of anxiety about a lot of little things because they miss this part about Jesus. Jesus doesn't make their meals. They get it themselves. They're self-sufficient when it comes to eating their fish sandwiches. And so, because of that, we struggle with complaining, murmuring, anxiety, and worry because we let Jesus out of those little things, physical necessities that we enjoy at least three times a day, right? That's kind of the norm. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. I want to lift up the example of Daniel to you. It tells us that Daniel prayed three times a day all his life. That's what almost got him killed in the lion's den. These guys who were jealous, 
as they stopped and thought about how do we dethrone Daniel? How do we get him out of that position so that we can have it? As they thought about it, they were like, hmm, I know how. He prays three times a day. Let's get him with that one. What do you think Daniel did in those three times a day prayers? I think he ate. I think it was as simple that Daniel's meals were a worship service. That's where he worshipped his Lord. And the reason I believe that is because of how the book of Daniel starts out. Daniel's character is tested through food. That's the first test that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to test this young man with. What will he eat? Will he eat the king's food or no? And Daniel understood the importance of the little things, seemingly little things like eating in his relationship to his God. And that's where he stood firm. Why do you think Daniel was so perceptive? I believe it's because that's where he had learned to worship his Lord. That is where his Lord was crowned as king. That's where he worshipped and communed with his God. Three times a day he ate. Three times a day he worshipped. Are you missing that? Oh, so many of us do. We're microwave Christians, are we? You know what I mean by that? Someone want to tell me what? Thank you, Benny. I might need that. I might drop it. Are you a microwave Christian? You know what I mean by that? I'm in a hurry. Come on. Throw it in the microwave. Heat it up. And it's a food to go. I'm eating on the way out. I throw it in my truck. I'm eating as I'm driving down the road. Or even as I'm on the phone. Microwave Christians miss the art of worship while they eat. And if you're that kind of a Christian or you have been that kind of a Christian, I want to encourage you as you hear this word with two words, repent and mercy. There are new mercies for you today. Tomorrow, you can change your eating habits. Tomorrow, you can repent and begin to be fed by Jesus. He can prepare your breakfast and there you worship him. He can prepare your lunch and there you commune with him. He can prepare your dinner and there you have a grateful thankfulness for his faithfulness to you that day. Wow, I have found in my life this truth to be true and real. And as I share it with you, I don't share it with you as one who's perfect or has already accomplished this imperfection, but as one who is pressing into this truth like Daniel was as an old man when he stood before the Lord and the Lord loved him. And he sent Gabriel with these words, Daniel, you are greatly loved. You're greatly loved. 
Why was Daniel greatly loved by heaven? Because he worshipped his God in the little things and in the big things. And if you go back and read through the book of Daniel, my dear brothers and sisters, it's a book for us today. Daniel was a young man when Jerusalem was overthrown. He was a young man in the kingdom of Josiah. And if you go back and read about Josiah's kingdom, he was the last righteous king in Israel. He was the last legitimate king in Israel. His sons, Nebuchadnezzar, went and set up, overthrew and set up, and they just fell like dominoes. But Josiah worshipped his God. And it tells us that he had made a Passover. I'll find it for you so you can write this reference down and read it this afternoon or tonight or sometime this week perhaps. This is an amazing story in Second Chronicles. Let's see where it is. In Second Chronicles... Second Chronicles chapter 35, beginning actually in chapter 34 and in 35. But I want to read this one word to you because it's staggering to me. Verse 18, Second Chronicles 35. Josiah had called a Passover. What was the Passover? What happened at the Passover? What, was, what celebration did it celebrate? Someone tell me. I like you, young man. You're a student. That's right. It's when God delivered them out of Egypt. The angel of death went throughout the land and killed every firstborn in the house. But Israel and everyone who put the blood on the door was not killed that day. A great deliverance. Jesus was giving this truth in John 6 at the Passover. Going back to King Josiah. Listen to these words. It was a great Passover. Verse 18. And there had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. Did you get that? Even King David had never celebrated the Passover like Josiah did. Daniel was there. Daniel was a young man in the palace. And a few short years later was carried away to Babylon. He experienced this great revival in Israel. Now finding himself a young man in Babylon, in a strange heathen place. And where did he find his God to be true to him? At the table. Huh. Who would have thought? At the table? Do you remember Daniel's story with the test of the food? How did God bless him? God did a miracle through food in Daniel's life. Daniel said, we're not going to eat the king's fatty foods, foods that we weren't supposed to eat that should fatten me up. That's what the king was trying to do, make him fat. Let's fatten him up a little bit. These guys are scrawny looking guys. 
Now, never before have you ever read or probably even heard that a guy got fat through eating vegetables. Have you heard of that before? Anyone can give me a story? Anyone gain some weight through eating vegetables? There was only one man. What? <laughs> That's right. What? Vegetarians. Daniel decided, I'm going to eat vegetables. That's all. Vegetables and drink water. And he says to the king's steward, give us 10 days. And in 10 days, Daniel and his friends gained more weight than the guys who ate the fatty foods. God did a miracle through food in Daniel's life. Jesus did a miracle in people's lives through food. Are you looking for miracles in the food you eat? Are you experiencing the miracle life of Jesus Christ in your eating habits? Or that will change your life. Change the way you know Jesus. If you only have experienced Jesus by reading your Bible and praying to him in the closet in the morning, maybe murmuring a prayer at night as you sleep. Dear brother, sister, there's a lot more that you can experience Jesus with every day, at least three times a day. Jesus cares for the little things. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your character be free from the love of money. How do I do that? How do you do that? Do you love money? How can you be sure? How can you be absolutely sure when you come and stand before God that you, your character is free from the love of money? Do you not love money? Come on, all of us love money, don't we? Isn't there a little bit of love money in there? What if God took all your money away? Wouldn't that test? If you love money or not? We still love God? If you took all your money away? The way to be purified from the love of money. Look at it. It's written right here for us. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, considering the result of their conduct, and imitate their faith. Imitate Daniel's faith. In Timothy, speaking, 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is the word that I was thinking about. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, and so we cannot take anything out of it either. What are you taking with you out of this world? Nothing. As I stood at my Uncle Moses' funeral a couple weeks ago. That night before, 
I heard many people talk about how Mose shared his money generously with people, loaned people money, blessed them through the blessing that God had blessed him with. Mose was a diligent businessman. And the Lord had blessed him with a lot of money. But he shared it liberally with many people. And I heard testimony after testimony how Moses would come alongside of him and, and help them and bless them through financially sharing his money with them. But as I walked up to the coffin at the end of the service and I looked at his body, I thought, he didn't take any of it with him. Not even a penny went with him. It was all left behind. Every penny. I thought of these words. For we have brought nothing into the world. How were you born? With golden ears? A silver tongue? Golden eyelids? Lucas told me you have gold in your eyelids, Lori. Never knew that. Wow. She's got gold in her eyelids. Probably the only person or rare people who have gold in their eyelids. That's a story you can ask her about. It's a miracle story of Jesus. But now listen to this word. And if we have food. Wait, what? If we have food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Are you? Or is that just like, what? How can I ever be content with only food and clothing in my life? I want all these other things. There's always something I want, isn't? Don't you? How can you come to the place for real where you can say, yes, Lord, that is true in my heart. And you can stand before God and say, I am content with food, clothing. How can you? Or is it just, hey, the Holy Spirit was a little bit extreme in speaking these words. Most of us never live like that. That's just a verse that's a, for the super spiritual. Somehow they get that. Most of us Christians, we don't, we don't obey that word. We just, it's too, it's too far out there. I ask myself these questions. Do you? I don't want to stand before God and be in disobedience to this word. Because look at the warning in verse 9. But those who want to get rich. Now he's comparing food and clothing and richness. Anything else is I want to get rich. Fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on that road. Do you want to be plunged into ruin and destruction? Do you want to fall into temptation and traps and many, many foolish and harmful desires be trapped by them? I don't want to go there. But that seems to be the alternative to being content with 
So it's either one or the other. You can't have both ways. How do I really live in verse 8? Contentment. And the Lord said to me, this is how. Receive it from my hand. Be content with my provisions in your life. And when you sit down to eat, I have given you this food. Worship me. When you sit down to eat, take it as from me. And there, talk to me. And worship me. And praise me. And have a grateful heart. Because I'm giving you a delicious meal. That's where we learn it. In the secret of that place. Jesus told us in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25. For this reason I say to you. Do not be anxious for your life. As, where does Jesus start? Now, I don't know where Jesus starts with you, but I've often read this verse hundreds and hundreds of times. I've memorized it many times in different translations of the Bible. But Jesus most times starts with my anxiety on the big things. At least that's where I come to him with them. I'm facing Something that I don't know what to do with. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a relationship crisis. Maybe it's, you name the big things in your life. You come to the Lord and say, oh Lord, I want to cast all this care upon you. And you're struggling to just let go and relax in his love. And walk away believing he'll take care of it. To rest there. That's not where Jesus starts. So if you're starting there. You're starting. At things that are too big for you. And I suggest. Start where Jesus started. And all the rest. Will follow this. This is the secret. To an anxiety free life. If you start here. Where did Jesus start? Do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Start right there, brother, sister. Anxiety-free table time. Anxiety-free table time with Jesus. Start there. And your fellowship with him will prepare you to be a Daniel, to be tested in the lion's den. That's where it ended for Daniel. Started with food, ended in the lion's den. When you end in the lion's den, will your heart be anxiety-free like Daniel's was? No, it won't. If it's not at the table. It won't be. That's what the Lord shared with me. Fill the big things in your life. You'll never find your heart at rest and anxious free unless you start where I start in your life. 
and you do that in fellowship with me, then all the big tests that come down your way, a lion's den experiences, you will be anxiety-free because you do it every day, at least three times a day. You bring your heart to rest as he feeds you. That's where Jesus started. Will you start there with him? Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book titled, Keep a Quiet Heart. How many of you know who this lady was? Elizabeth Elliot, some of you? Her husband and her were missionaries in South America. And I think it was South America, right? You can look it up. Jim Elliot. That's right. He was killed by Indians. They were taking the gospel to a tribal place. He was killed. Okay, right. But she ended up writing and encouraging not only women, but many of the saints of God. She's been a great encouragement to me. And I encourage you to get this book. If you haven't read it, because not only does she write, she quotes many, many people of God in this effort of encouraging God's people to have a quiet heart, a heart of rest. She says this, the tests of our willingness to wait patiently for the Lord come almost daily for most of us. Um, let's see where I wanted there was a quote in here I wanted to read to you this is it here his message to me every day is wait be still trust and obey and this brings me to the matter of counseling now this is an area she was involved in and this is where her pressure was coming. Upon our return from a trip to England, I found a pile of mail. So many letters asking me what to do about things. For example, a wife's critical spirit, unemployment, a wife who has abandoned husband and children, a single mother doing a job she hates, an unfaithful husband, a woman who tells me she is spirit-filled, having an affair with her pastor, a farmer who'd like a wife, a mother-in-law who is nasty to her daughter-in-law, a stepson who is angry because we don't spend enough money on his children, a wife who snaps at her husband each time he tries to snuggle up, and a husband who drinks like a fish, curses like a sailor, and says he loves God. People were writing her, these were real life experiences that people are going through. I wish I could write the same letter to everybody, she says. Wait patiently for the Lord. He will turn to you and hear your cry. It is amazing how clear things become when we are still before him, not complaining, not insisting on quick answers, only seeking to hear his word in the stillness 
and to see things in his light. Few are willing to receive that sort of reply. Too simplistic is the objection. One listener to my radio program, Gateway to Joy, she had a radio program, wrote, I got so upset at what you were saying, I ripped the earphones out and said, I'll do what I want to do. But there are those who can say, this is the Lord, we have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah 25 verse 9. Here are two testimonies. One, I've lost my mother, my brother, my husband, and my baby. My song is, more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. God picked up the scraps and pieces and made us whole. A, a whole woman, a whole man, a whole marriage. Will you meet Christ at the dinner table, at the lunch table, at your breakfast table? Will you commune there and fellowship with him while you eat and drink? If so, he'll walk with you into the lion's den and stop the mouth of lions. One more word comes to my heart that I want to share with you. Listen to this experience because it has been very instructful to me in my personal life and continues to be. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. And you said, no, or we will flee on horses. And so they fled. And this is a word, by the way, if you go to Jeremiah Chapter 35, I think it is. Just to be sure, I'm going to turn my Bible real quickly there. Jeremiah. Actually, it's, it's in Jeremiah chapter, if you begin to read in, in verse 40, 41. 42 but mostly in 42 Israel most of them were carried away in Babylon there's only a few that are left Nebuchadnezzar's sex sets up Gadaliah as the governor and some men come and kill him there's only a few left everybody is scared they are sure they're going to be killed in their land so you know what they do they say we're going to run to Egypt Egypt looks like a safe place. Pharaoh will protect us. There's a strong government in the land. We're going there. And Jeremiah says, don't go. They come to Jeremiah. They say, we will do everything the Lord tells us to do. Everything. Just go seek the Lord and tell us what he tells you. They give Jeremiah 10 days. 10 days. Jeremiah comes back with a word of the Lord. 
this word. Don't go. Don't run away. Stay. In quietness and rest be your strength. You know what they said? You're a liar. God didn't speak to you. We're going to Egypt. And Jeremiah begs them, don't go. You'll die there. But they went. But you were not willing to receive that word from the Lord. They went. You know what happened? Nebuchadnezzar comes against King Egypt, overthrows Egypt, and kills all of them because they didn't stay in the land where he had placed them, where he wanted them to stay. But while this was going on, I want to share this beauty with you. This is God's heart. If you're sitting here today and you say, Oh, Phil, this is too, this is too, ah, this is too revolutionary for my life. It, it, it's overwhelming to think of worshiping God at the little, at, at the table every time and communi- ah, I, I'm, I'm too busy. You don't understand my life. You're just not willing. Okay, get on your horse and run around in circles. But know this, verse 18, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. Even while the Lord disciplined them, that was his heart. He longed to meet you at the dinner table. That's where he wants to meet you. Will you meet him there? If you won't, and you continue your microwave Christianity, he'll be there every morning in your kitchen waiting for you. He'll be there at noon waiting to have lunch with you. And he'll be there at night waiting to have fellowship with you. Just know that. God bless you. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word with us again. These were some very, very great uh, challenges and inspiration to start off our new year. Open it up for a few minutes here. If anyone has a testimony or anything that God has uh, shared with you or uh, this morning or throughout the week, you would like to share. Any prayer requests? Just open it up for a brief moment here. Word of testimony if you got it. Now's your chance. Amen. I've never seen you run out of food, Sarah. I think more uh, often than not, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. (laughs) But yes, I uh, thinking about what you said, I had a long conversation with my mother yesterday and, and he's talking about the events of the last couple months and losing my father and my mom and dad were married for over 50 years and we're talking about you know all these things of 2020 whether losing a loved one or all the things related to covid or the government or whatever and 
And ultimately, there's, there's, really, there's really nothing new. Where is it? Is that in Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon says there's, just, there's nothing new under the sun? And, and if, if you're a student of history as I am and as Phil is, and uh, I'm sure all of you have studied history a little bit in, in school, but what, what we're facing now, yeah, it may be new for our generation or, or even losing loved ones. That's, that happens to everybody sometime or another. You don't, uh, you know, it's, doesn't, that part, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make it easier, but, but there's, there's nothing new. There's been pandemics. There's been political upheaval. There's been extremely corrupt and immoral societies. Look at the Greeks and the Romans now. They were all wiped out pretty much, so uh, <laughs> that may give us a lot of uh, hope. But, uh, but <laughs> I haven't gotten to the encouraging part yet. <laughs> but, uh, but the truth is, and, and this was kind of the point of my mom and I's conversations throughout these things and even... Uh, experiencing death in the family it's nothing new to god it's nothing that's taken god by surprise and he has been faithful through these thousands of years of of these things happening among mankind and all these things that i believe in in large part have come into the world through satan and through sin and and the devil trying to destroy the, the perfect creation that God has made, and and uh, and he has he has done a lot of that, but ultimately, God and His plan continues to re- prevail and has continued to last throughout all generations, even in the darkest of times. Was that was that you, Phil, that was saying? I'm not sure if it was in one of our men's meetings or if it was here about the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Was that you or did I hear that somewhere else? I don't remember. Maybe that was, it may have been at one of the, at one of the uh, Christmas Eve services that I was at. Um, 400 years between the last prophet, God speaking to Israel, and when Jesus was born. That's longer than what America has been established. There was silence. There was nothing. What do you think those people were thinking during that time? Those that were waiting for the Messiah. We haven't, haven't heard anything. There's nothing. Nothing happened. 400 years. We haven't dealt with anything like that. But even through that 400 years of silence, 400 years of essentially darkness, God was still faithful and still brought the Messiah. And I was really encouraged in, in talking to my mom yesterday that, you know, all these things, it's, it's nothing that God hasn't been faithful through in times past, even in losing a loved one, God is still faithful. And to me, that's my testimony of, of 2020. God has been faithful. Anyone else? Next Sunday, uh, Judah Kofer from Windsor Christian Fellowship will be here sharing the word with us. So uh, 
come and uh, listen to the word enjoy the fellowship next Sunday as well all right I think that wraps it up for this morning and I believe our noon meal is ready so if you're able please stand to your feet and we'll dismiss with prayer and a blessing on the noon meal thank you father for this time that we have had to gather together this morning to worship and praise you and to hear from you through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit and I pray that we would leave this place filled spiritually and on fire to serve you throughout this new year I thank you for the reminders of your faithfulness through what has been a difficult year for many but yet you have been faithful, and we thank you for that. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship here this afternoon, bless this food that has been provided. I pray the strength that we receive from it would be used for your honor and glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're dismissed.